In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. Hey, welcome out to the Grace House podcast. It's really fun to be back at the studio. We've come through the holidays. We've come through a lot of powerful. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we ate too much kind of moments in our last couple of weeks of our lives. Welcome back. It's good to be kind of back at making content and having the team all fired back up. We want to discuss this today. We want to discuss David's life and why he remained when all of his army went out to battle during the time that kings went to war. So welcome back to the Grace House podcast. Adam, what's up? Ryan, how are you guys doing today? How was your holiday? Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, man, man, doing good. Had a great good. time. Yeah, I ate too much. That's for sure. <laughs> Start I weighed, I weighed right. myself this morning. So, <laughs> did you like what you saw? <laughs> I did not. I did, I did not. not. <laughs> too many rolls. Um, bread rolls. Okay. All anyway. that biscuits and gravy. <laughs> um. <clears throat> yeah. So, guys, we want to dig in today. Welcome out to the live stream. We got about six, seven guys on here right now. It's great to be here with you. We just want to take a moment. And we want to look at David's life um, as men, and we want to look at this concept of boredom. So where did David's boredom come from? Why was he bored? Um, and that's kind of what we're really honing in on here today. So, so you know, this concept of like, it's, it's something, one of my favorite little phrases in the scriptures is actually spring is the time kings go to war. Like I, I, every spring, I think of that every spring, I'm kind of like, I'm literally kind of like, that sound like the for, forefront of my mind for, for at least a month or so. And, and I'm always considering in the spring, this is the time for action. Cause a lot of people get kind of more lazy and they get a little more like, Oh, summer's coming. I can relax. And I don't want to live that way. So it's a good way to kind of stay counterculture. So David, so this is the time Kings go to war, obviously because winter time is over and it's a better, a better season to fight. There's a lot of things that make sense about fighting in, in the springtime, but David sends his men out and they're, they're crushing it, right? They're, they're hitting their targets. They're nailing their objectives. And all of a sudden, um, David, David decides to stay back. And I stopped reading at that point because David was basically um, this, the next part of the story, which if you're, if you've been around the Bible, any short amount of time or long amount of time, you're probably familiar with this passage of scripture. And it's the part where David stayed back he it, it actually says he was laying on his couch. He rose from his couch and he was walking on the roof. So his men are at war and he's like chilling on the couch. And David's obviously bored. And uh, David Robinson was writing earlier to us on the topic. Like, I guess he was trying to steal our notes or, or something. I don't know. But the guy's just brilliant. Right. So he's like um, he actually coaches us and stuff. So he's uh, he's like David was disobedient in his and that's what led to his boredom. And so, man, that's an interesting thing we'll throw in the conversation here today. So just kind of setting the stage. So David actually sees Bathsheba. He starts looking at, um, you know, nowadays our Bathshebas are probably more in the form of like screens and online pornography, that type of stuff. But David's form of pornography back then was actually viewing into the, to the, where this lady was taking a bath and saw, saw what he needed to see to realize that he could use his authority to uh, summons that woman. And he did. 
and they had a night together and she becomes pregnant, which David goes on to uh, her husband was actually one of the guys that wasn't on the couch. He was out in the battles. Uh, he was on the field doing battle for David. And David, uh, Uriah, you know, he calls him home a couple times, tries to get him to uh, spend the night with his wife. And Uriah is just so pure in his devotions to the to uh, to Israel and to the battle in the springtime and that he won't even go spend the night with his wife. I mean, man, that is I don't know if I could do that myself. You know, I get called in for a night home from battle. I don't know if I'm wired that way, guys. You know, the king says, hey, go spend the night with your wife. I'm all right. I got to listen to the king. right? So not going to argue with any of that. But uh, but Uriah just won't do it. He sleeps outside. He just won't do it. And so David's panicked because he got his wife, you know, he got Bathsheba pregnant. So long story short, David tells uh, the commander, hey, send Uriah in at the fiercest part of battle. And when it gets really bad, pull back so that he gets so that he dies. I mean, he writes that he writes it very clearly. And then at the very end of uh, chapter 11 of First uh, Samuel or Second Samuel, it says that the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So we're talking about this thing out of Second uh, Samuel chapter 11. So guys, let's uh, let's talk about some of these components that we laid out here, like boredom and sin. I mean, that's an interesting thing, right? Like, do we think that somehow, you know? So David's boredom led to whoredom. And we'll talk about that. Like, what that does that mean? What does that mean for us? Um, you know. So, what, what what are you guys doing here? How would we go? Ahead, how do we do? Well, I think I think what's interesting is that, I mean, on the simplest level, right? If David would have been where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be, he would have never been in this situation, right? I mean, that there's there's the idea that if he would have been at war, doing what God had called him to do this whole situation would have been avoided, right? And yet, but because he disengaged from the mission of God, the identity of God, the mm. purpose of God in his life, he's now he's now on the couch, which leads to the rooftop, which leads to viewing the bathroom, which leads to the bedroom. And, and so I think it's interesting to think about that for us today, uh, that it, it doesn't just end up in that spot, that there's there's kind of steps in our lives. There's things that happen in a progression that kind of lead to, lead us to a place that we don't really want to be anymore like i don't think david ever intended to get there or be there uh but he got there and i think i think there's that thing of what happens in our lives when we disengage what happens in our lives when we get bored or where do we go for that next fix right yeah i would say that that's right that's right on man uh i i i fully agree that boredom boredom is just a product of an already existing condition, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a process to get there. It was, um, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. I think, I think boredom is where we end up finding ourselves uh, after, after disengaging our hearts um, and moving out of the position that God has for us, you know, um, and just like King David, like when he, you know, he was supposed to, it says that springtime was the time for Kings to go to war, you know? And when he, when he got out of that position, you know what I mean? And decided to stay home, um, he, he was now he was now positioned outside of what God had called him to be um, to call him to be doing in that moment. You know what I mean? Whatever his assignment was, um, f- you know, for for that season and, and for that moment. Um, and then then for me, what what happens is, is that 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 disengagement of our heart, you know, we we, we uh, we're going to find something else to be to engage with, you know. Um, and I think that that's I think that's the danger um, of, of, of how we get to that place of boredom. 
in our life is is uh, we stop we stop engaging with the purpose of uh, the purpose that God intended for us. You know, um, the assignment that God's put on our heart to do. Uh, you know, and I think it I think it takes a progression. You know, how how do we get disengaged? Well, we could have got frustrated. Um, we we you know we could have got frustrated with what we haven't seen yet. We could have grown tired. Um, you know, in doing good things and and, and remaining faithful and not um, not kind of seeing what we wanted to see. Um, and I think all those things kind of lead us to to a disengaged heart. And I so I think ultimately, um, when when we're talking about boredom leading us into whoredom, um, boredom is kind of like that last that last cue for us. Like if we've hit the stage of boredom, uh, the red flag should be in the air. You know what I mean? Because we've already moved through the process of 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 whether it started with bitterness, moved into uh, disengagement, you know, uh, disengagement, I feel like is, is, a, is, a, is the longer period for us that, that we should be, you know, realize, okay, what's going on, man, my heart's disengaging from the word, my heart's disengaging from the place of prayer, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not excited, I'm not, I'm not digging into my prophetic history and, and looking, looking with hope to, towards the, towards my future and, um, you know, I'm not pressing into the things of God or pressing into my assignment. You know, I'm not getting busy um, putting my hand to the plow um, in the work that God's called me to do. And, you know, so I, I think that I think those are things that we got to pay attention to. You know what I mean? Um, you know, when, when my heart starts getting disengaged, my next step is that I'm going to find myself in a place of boredom because I'm no longer at work. I'm no longer going to war. And now I've, I've been knocked out of position. You know what I mean? Um and I think that that's the the introduction, right? It's the introduction into into whoredom, where I where I begin to to allow my my heart to engage with other things, and and often those things are things of the flesh. Yeah, and it's interesting to me too, because when you look at how many sins David committed in this chapter, in this passage here, you think he, you know, he committed murder, he committed adultery, he he, uh, but to really look at the concept of him not going to battle as a sin, like that's that you might even overlook that part, right? You may, you might even overlook the concept. Like, is that our choice? Cause when God puts an assignment on your life, it's between you and the father and nobody else, you have to do that assignment. And if you're not engaged in the assignment, then it does lead to boredom, right? It, it, there, so there's a disengagement from obedience, right? So we're not obeying, you know, what do, what do I teach my kids? I teach them that, you know, obedience is rewarded, right? And disobedience is uh, punished. I mean, that's something I've taught, been teaching my kids for years. And, you know, that's one of the fruits that God wants us to put on display is that we're actually faithful to him and we actually walk in obedience. So, David, you think about it, right? Like he's a king. He's supposed to go to war. Our 21st century culture, probably we I overlooked that. I, I'm glad that uh, David Robinson put that there because it's like I made me think about it. I was like, oh, man, I never really considered that at that level because I guess. I think that it's okay to decide whether I'm going to go to war or not. Right. I think it's okay if I'm going to decide or I'm going to engage or not. Um, Adam said something um, before we got on the, the live live stream. He, he said, well, we should, you know, he was talking about, you know, why don't you start out reading the word that'll give us some authority to talk about this. I'm like, Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Right. Like, reading the word gives us authority to talk about the word. Like, you know, you, you almost think it's like, who do we think we are sometimes? Right. We we one of our whoredom things that we fall into is we actually fashion God into our own image. We think he's like us. And that's a big mistake that we make. So the concept of disobeying God equaling boredom. Let's talk. I want to talk about boredom for a moment because. 
you got to learn how to recognize when you're bored. It's really hard because you're bored and you're not thinking about being bored, but you've got to think about that in the cycle of behavior. Um, and, and, and we're not saying that your whoredom is always pornography. Pornography. That's not what we're mainly addressing here. We're addressing boredom or whoredom actually as anything that is a distraction. It can be as simple as being on the endless scroll too long on your phone. Like, I mean, we're talking, it could be really simple things that you have alive in your life that are all connected to boredom. So um, a few years back, I had to start recognizing boredom. I had to start recognizing, oh, I'm just bored right now. Like a lot of times I notice I want to eat when I'm bored just because eating is fun. Eating tastes good. Eating is rewarding in a lot of ways. It's not rewarding after days like this. You get on the scale, you know, you come through the holidays, you're like, dude, what was I doing? I was eating, I was having fun. But a lot of that stuff is, you know, when you, you have to recognize you're bored because um, you can become a whore quick. All of us can. I mean, and, and this isn't like Graysop's language. This is biblical language, right? Where the word whore is in the Bible. Just it, it's all over the place. Whoredom, idolatry, you know, that we would not play the harlot, all kinds of things. So God knows that we're, we're quick to turn to different things and he wants to be the thing that captivates us. So, if you, if you are bored and you start realizing, hey, I'm eating too much because I'm bored or I'm struggling with, you know, whatever the idolatry is because I'm bored, learn how to put something different in the cycle there. Learn how to call a friend, go on a walk, like um, break the cycle, put your phone down, do something different to get yourself engaged. Because really what you got to get back to is you got to get back to the going out to war. You got to get back to your assignment. You got to get back to abiding in Christ and going after the heart of God. So that's a few areas of boredom. What, what, how has boredom affected you guys or what else would you throw into the mix here, gentlemen? Well, I think as, as you were talking, one of the things that, that came to mind was Ephesians chapter five, right? That says starting verse 15 says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I think one of the things, at least that happens in my own life, and I think it happens in all our lives, is I think culture tries to convince us that certain things are neutral, right? That, hey, if you're bored and you decide to put your time, your attention, your worship, I mean, whatever it is, into these things, they're just neutral, right? But they're not. That nothing, Nothing's really neutral, right? I mean, and so what happens is, is all of a sudden I go, well, hey, I'm, I'm bored. I'm disengaged. I, I'm not really engaged in anything in my mind. So intellectually, emotionally, in my heart, my soul. And so what am I going to do? And, and so, you know, like, I mean, we all probably have games on our phones that we've downloaded that we, we start to engage in that. Or maybe, you know, you start playing poker online or, I mean, you know, I'm going to watch another show or I'm going to binge Netflix or, you know, I know for me, that's my thing. Like 10 PM, <laughs> I can just find myself at the fridge, right? I don't even know how I got there. It's just like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here again. You know what I mean? And, and I think there's that idea of like, what are we engaging in, you know, and going even back to what you were saying is I, I wonder, I mean, I'd love to have this conversation with David. I wonder if his plan was like, yeah, I'm going to eventually get to war. I'm just not there yet. And what we all know, because we're all, we're all fathers, right. Is delayed obedience is still disobedience, right? Like I asked one of my children, go clean my room. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'll go do that in two hours. I'm like, no, no, I asked you to do it. I ask you to do it now. And I think there's that false idea that, well, I can keep putting stuff off and it won't really have a negative effect, right? Like it's not going to catch up in me. Like I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it eventually. 
But then the question is, what if, what am I filling my life with in the meantime? And, and I think sometimes it doesn't have to be like what David did, right? I don't have to go up on the rooftop, see my neighbor naked, get her pregnant, kill her husband, right? Like I can just totally disengage in the heart of God, right? I mean, I can just say, I'm just going to put everything in neutral and do nothing, right? I'm just going to think about my own desires, my own wants. I'm just going to waste time. I'm just going to binge watch. I'm just going to whatever. And the reality is I lost that time. Like I, I didn't redeem the time. I didn't honor God with the time. I didn't benefit the people around me with that time. And I, and I think it's a loss, but I think our culture will try to tell us, well, that's, that's just neutral, man. That's not good or bad. It's just, it's just is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a good thought. And, and I think that we have to maintain passion for what God is placed before us, you know, and I, th and I think that's a really good thing to point out that there's, there's gotta be this, uh, this view of time and like urgency for the things of God that, that kind of ramp us up to a whole new, whole new level of living. You know, let's just be honest, right? There's a lot of competition in the world. There's a lot of competition in the church. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of reasons that we could become numb in this day and age. And I, I like to think it's harder for us to live in this day and age and culture than it is any other time in the earth. But I don't know that I could say that because, you know, you go back to the dark ages, that would really suck. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like, uh, you know, we like to say we have it bad, but, you know, I don't think we have it as bad as we think we do. But nonetheless, the pressures of the age are still there and the same temptations have been through all the centuries. And so I think it's about living with purpose. It's about yeah. living with <clears throat> and, and that's kind of why we created the Grace Ups culture is to help you keep your purpose before you, to keep a challenge before you, right? So there's three things that we're about at Grace Up. So we want to engage you into the into the culture, the five-star charge. And we'll do a whole podcast just on the five-star charge and kind of break it down and kind of put it out there and, and really kind of go over where it came from and why we think it matters. And the second thing is we want to equip you. We want to equip your life to actually have the skill sets and actually have the mindset and the passion to actually live the way we're talking about so that when it's spring and you're supposed to be at war, you're at war, right? There's a time to rest and there's a time to be at war. There's different seasons of our life. And the third thing that we do uh, with Grace Ops is we, we want to empower you to advance the kingdom. And specifically, we want to help you build your band of brothers. So we want to help you get three guys and we want to, you know, so we're, we just released our first devotional today. We've got a 52 week devotional that our team wrote. So Ryan wrote a chunk of it. Adam, or you didn't write a chunk of it yet, right? But you're no, going to. You'll be on round yeah, two. Yeah, I'll get on that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, but we got Jake and Phil and, and Dr. Ken Hansen. So we've got a great team of guys that are very passionate about God and really um, are real and authentic, too, right? Like um, one of the greatest things that turned me off when I in my early days of Christianity was um, – and I don't know. I don't want to say this in a bad way because you might be like this, and I don't want to hurt your uh, – affiliation with with this type of expression but it didn't work for me i tried it three or four maybe a couple of years i tried it um was just this over hyper religiosity right like every time there was a good point you had to say amen or you know bless the lord or you know you had to make these certain things like i saw certain people very powerful and i tried to mimic that and uh it didn't make me any more powerful it made it, made, it didn't work for me but i i didn't dishonor the people that did that i thought oh that's really cool but it's we can't be somebody else. We have to be ourselves and we have to go after the heart of God. So, you know, it's one of the things I love about David. David knew how to be authentically himself. So 
those three things we want to kind of keep working into this culture. So we're just getting back at it. We've actually haven't been busy. We haven't been lazy uh, taking all this time off. We've been building a lot of stuff that you're seeing. Like today, our 52 week devotional launched. Um, if you're not on our emails, you need to get on our emails. Um, hey, if you're if you're live with us right now, feel free to uh, make comments. You know, we can actually see your comments and interact with you a little bit. So love to s- just have you say hello and um, share these streams. That'd be a cool thing to do. You know, get more and more people on here. It'd be good to have 70 and 700 and 7,000 people joining us one day. It'd be great. So, but yeah, we're here to help you in that area of your life to keep you focused, to keep the battle before you. Cause you know what? My walk with Ryan has been a lot like that. Like we've kept each other focused and we still do that. You know, we still do that. We've been like iron sharpening iron to each other. Um, and Adam and I's relationship has been like that. You know, um, the bottom line is you can't do this alone. Jesus had 12, right? Of the 12, he had three. And uh, he actually had more than 12. But that was like, the, you know, the smaller it got, the more intimate it got. And uh, Jesus had his three. So you need to have your three, right? So we're here to help you um, empower you. Like there, There's the challenge of the culture because it's like, how, how much of the church is actually activated in the Great Commission, actually activated in making disciples, right? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I can get really uh, fired up and annoyed right now because everybody just wants to be keyboard warriors. Everybody wants to talk. Everybody wants to do the theological check boxes and they want to they want to take something you say and they want to devour it. And, you know, well, you didn't add this and that. I want to put all the ingredients there. And it's like, dude. Are you making disciples? Do you love God? And are you are you pouring your life into other people? Most of the Christian culture can't say yes to that question. So we're not here to condemn, but we are here to empower. We're here to say, hey, try what we built, because it could really help you if you dedicated yourself to it. There's not a lot of things out there that I found that help you make disciples, but they're out there. And we'd like to be one of those things in your life that helps you do that. So. All right, Adam, put us back together. Uh, I like I, I like everything. I think I like everything you're saying. I think if we, we reduce it down, one of the things we're talking about here is passion and purpose, right? That when you know David David was a man after God's own heart. We can't we can't take it away from from him, right? I mean, the scripture says that, but the reality is is he disengaged at this moment. I mean that, that was that was really the deal. Is he he disengaged. I like what, what you guys have been saying. I like Ryan talking about how he positioned himself, you know. And the reality is we can all do that. And I think what we're saying is, is the answer for that in many ways is, hey, let's, let's look at our own lives and be aware of when we start to feel disengaged. And we're saying boredom is kind of that moment. When I go, hey, I, man, I got nothing to do, nothing to think about, not really engaged with anything, I'm bored, that that's actually like an indicator light on the car. You know, hey, it's time to check the oil. One of the tires is low. And in that moment, we have an opportunity to choose, right? Am I going to engage back with the heart of God? Am I going to engage in the identity and the purpose and the mission and the calling that he's given me? Or am I going to choose other things? Am I, am I going to choose to engage in, in, in other stuff? And I think back to what you're, you're just getting fired up about is that, Brian, is that the truth is, is that if I'm engaged in the heart of God and if I'm engaged in uh, honoring him personally and making disciples, right, all connected, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of time that I'm that I'm bored because we can redeem the time, right? So I got a few minutes that I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Well, that's an opportunity to text a guy in my band of brothers. Like, we got a I got a text from you a couple of days ago. Hey, bro, how's your Bible reading going? 
you know, how, how, like how you doing with your time with the Lord in the morning. Right. And we had a, we had like a five minute, I mean, conversation via text, but that was like putting a log on the fire. I was like, Hey man, like this is about me and Jesus, but Brian's going to ask me again, like, what's that look like? How's it going? And so like it redeems, it redeems the time. And we have an opportunity to live that way for the glory of God. And then also for the benefit of people around us. Yeah. And I, yeah. What do you got, Ryan? No, I was just going to say, I think that the only other thing out there is, uh, you know, kind of getting away from the illusion. I think, you know, in our 21st century Christian mindset, we kind of think of Christianity as this whole, uh, this peace and like this peaceful pursuit and this almost like a transcendence, right? Like we're, we're looking for our chi. We're looking for that, that perfect, everything is good and everything is healthy and everything is growing in prosperity and all these other things. And we get away from the fact from all, you know, for old Testament all the way through new Testament, that battle warfare, um, the spiritual fight is very real in biblical language. You know what I mean? And I think, I think in terms from God's perspective and it's necessary for us to understand, but, uh, we've got to learn how to fight. You know what I mean? Like you've got to learn how to fight um, or else we're going to end up disengaged. Right. We got to learn how to actually engage in spiritual conflict. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and have the understanding that that how we war. Right. Like determining how we war will determine the result of our engagement. You know what I mean? And it goes back to, you know, for me, like Second Corinthians, you know, uh, I think it's in Second uh, Corinthians 10 where it talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, right? Casting down arguments, every every high thing that exalts us the Lord. You know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, when just even in that that concept of bringing every thought captive, captive um, it, it ends with saying into the obedience of Christ, you know, and, and here's what we're, t- we're talking about, like those moments where we want to delay in our obedience um, and, uh, you know, or we get frustrated or, 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 you know, because it's the enemy coming in to get us frustrated. It's the enemy coming in. That's saying, Oh man, you're doing the same thing over and over and you're not getting any results. Right. You know, it's all these different things that come in, but when we start learning how to, how to actually take the fight to the enemy, you know what I mean? And begin taking those stats cop, uh, captive and subjecting them in obedience to Christ, you know, um, and learning how to fight the, you know, through God's lens, through God's perspective. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, the way that we, we stay better engaged. Um, and it keeps us out of that place of boredom. You know what I mean? Like we've got to go back to the source. We've got to go back into his heart and his heart for us, um, you know, in the call on our life. And, and so I would just, I would just say, say, say that, you know, that, that would be like kind of, I guess one of the last, last things is that how we war determines the results of our engagement. Yeah. So take inventory of your heart because, it's really key to identify kind of like where you're bored, where it's leading you. And, and more importantly, what ought you to be obeying in your life right now? Because if your life sucks, it's totally your fault. That's a hard thing to hear sometimes, right? Like if your job sucks, it's your fault. If your life sucks, it's your fault. If your marriage sucks, if your kids are terrible, man, eh, maybe not your fault with your kids, but you know, cause they kind of become their own, after a certain age, but I'm just saying like, be responsible, take responsibility for your life. That's a message the church has really failed at over the last, you know, in my opinion, and I've been in the church culture for two decades, uh, two and a half decades. And I think it's a strong and a good opinion 
that the church has failed us in the area of saying, be responsible, be, a, be covenant people. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. David was passionate. David did worship the father. David did know the heart of God. He knew the things God loved and he, and he knew the things God hated. And, and the proof of that is when David gets, he, the, my favorite part of the story is David doesn't tell on himself because that would really suck if he did. Because he'd be like, oh, David's a man after God's own heart and even told on himself. He's so great and righteous. No, David brushed this whole thing under the carpet and went on with his life as if nothing happened. And then the prophet Nathan goes to talk to him about it. And that's an interesting thing to talk to a king. Because if you go on the wrong day or they're in, a, they're in a bad mood, they could just kill you, right? Like, we don't even understand that concept today. But we think, oh, that's neat. He went and talked to the president. No, that's not like back then the president didn't like you that day. He could kill you, right? So it's a really interesting uh, thing to approach a king. So David gets approached by Nathan with this scenario and David's mad, right? He gets mad about this injustice and, and he goes, well, let's find this guy who did this. And Nathan goes, oh, you're actually that guy. You did it. And he puts all the right characters in the story and David becomes undone. That's what we got to really pull away from, right? So yeah, he disobeyed by not going to battle and he, he fell, you know, the chain, of, the chain of sin kind of the domino effect happened. But when David was confronted with it, David repents. We get Psalm 51. We get words like, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, right? We, and where does that come from? Well, when David was a child, he, he was underneath Saul and he, he saw Saul go mad because Saul was the first king of Israel. And, uh, and, and, and Saul didn't obey the Lord fully, but he acted like he did. And that was his sin based in the fear of man. But Saul never repents. And Saul goes mad because the father removes the anointing from him. So David in Psalm 51 is aching. God, don't, don't do that to me. Don't re, don't take, take not the Holy spirit from me. I mean, this is deep in the heart of David. Like David changes his life. He doesn't just say, sorry, David actually never has a Bathsheba moment again. He never goes down that path again. Think about the power of this guys in our, in our culture, the, the disobedience that equaled boredom that led to whoredom in David's life never happened again for David. May we be able to say the same thing. Let's repent. That's what repentance is. It's changing. It's not going back to it. It's realizing, no, I don't want to touch that stuff. And I don't want to go down that path. And, you know, I really want to honor God. Like we, we, and there's a battle there, guys, right? There's a daily battle. And you can win this battle, right? Like you can be holy. You can actually live a life with zero sin. I believe that. Every, otherwise, we would offend the finished work of the cross, I believe. We would be like, oh, is there still some work left to do? No, all the work that's left to do is us actually putting it into our lives, you know. So David has this powerful time of repentance. And at the very end of Psalm 51, I think it's really powerful. David says towards verse 17 or 18, if I remember correctly, he goes, be good to Zion. And I love that because he realized his sin as the king affected the community. And guys, our sin affects our communities. It affects our families. It affects the people around us. It even affects our neighborhoods. You just don't see it, but you got to see it. You know what I mean? You got to know, you got to see with spiritual eyes. So we just want to challenge you today. Identify boredom. Understand the power of disobedience. And where it leads. 
So that'd be like a simple call to action. Take a moment today and just write down on a piece of paper, you know, where am I bored right now? And this is a great time to do all this because right out of the shoots of a brand new year. You know, where do I need to have a Psalm 51 moment? And how am I going to move forward in power? And uh, we'd love to have you connect more and more to the Grace Ops culture because we believe what we're building is from God. That's why we haven't stopped, even though we've had a million reasons to not move forward with this work. But we didn't stop. And, and now you're going to see us in a way you, you haven't seen. It's, it's going to blow up right out of the ground, right? So uh, we have a new website launching any day now. We'll be, we'll be bringing that to you soon. Um, it's a training website. You can go on you can get trained and you can get started on building your band of brothers. It's going to be pretty awesome stuff. So that's the call to action. Identify boredom. Where do you got to have a Psalm 51 moment? Um, and then just engage, go hardcore after advancing the kingdom. So, well, guys, great episode today. Good to see you. I'm glad we all wore the same hoodie. That was, that yeah, was there a, we go. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, your beard, dude, bro. That thing's just uh, something else. Uh, you know, just a little longer every day. So. What if one of your kids did a TikTok video and they just accidentally just just? I don't know. I don't know how that would go. I don't know how. I'm gonna have to ask him. I'm gonna tempt them to do that. Like, put that on Grace Ops, shaving Adam's beard. There we go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you'd recognize it. So, your identity is in that beard. You could feel it, man. Um, It's not my identity. I just don't think anybody would recognize me. So, I think I'd look funny. So. Well, hey, guys, great episode today. I appreciate your time, and uh, I appreciate your willingness to share and talk about about this topic. Hopefully, uh, for our listeners today, you found this to be encouraging and engaging and challenging. Uh, Take Brian's challenge seriously. Think about that. Where are you bored? Where do you need to do something? And then here's the thing. Do something about it. Engage in the heart of God and begin to do some more in your life. Thanks for tuning into this episode, and we can't wait to engage with you and connect with you until next time. Thanks again for being here today. We'll talk to you soon.